Today's broadcast was originally recorded on April 6, 2023. I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. There's something normal to me about it. I've come from regular stock, and I prefer that. I prefer being around that. Yeah. Sure you do, Clarence. Sure you do. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Well, maybe it's getting better. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. We'll see. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, so on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast, and oh boy, howdy. What a week it has been. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Hello, Desiree. Hey. Uh, listen, as long as... Uh, that's Desi Doyen. She's yes. our producer. Uh, as long as we have been uh, uh, sort of uh, celebrating, let's say celebrating over the past week or so, the beginnings, the very beginnings, at least, of some some long overdue accountability... See, see all the baby steps I'm taking here. It's hard for me to hard for me to even form these words. But uh, this long overdue accountability for uh, criminal, corrupt U.S. presidents like Donald J. Trump, following the first of his hopefully many upcoming crim- criminal indictments. The uh, first being 34 felony counts in New York State for falsifying business records as part of a conspiracy to hide his hush money payments to a porn star in order to help him win the 2016 presidential election. Totally normal. Uh, That accountability, which I have long argued is long overdue because, you know, especially since Richard Nixon, the lack of criminal accountability for these people have allowed subsequent Republican presidents to go just farther and farther and farther off the rails with each one to the point where there are, frankly, no more rails left to be seen anymore. And I have argued only accountability criminal accountability for their crimes can even begin to sort of haul back a now 
really fully criminalized GOP from just the all out lawless fascism and autocracy where they are, if not already there, damn near certainly headed. And as long as we've begun to see the glimpses of at least some accountability for corrupt U.S. presidents, hey, here's an idea. How about the beginning of some glimpses, at least, of some, any accountability for criminal, criminal U.S. Supreme Court justices? There's an idea. Am I asking for too much? Maybe I am. Uh, but that, too, yes, we have been calling for uh, for well over a decade, at least, at both Bradblog.com and on this program. As we reported at Bradblog.com way back in January of what is it, tw uh, 2011, Justice Clarence Thomas appeared. This is from Brad Blog at the time in uh, in 2011. Uh, Clarence Thomas appeared to have knowingly and willfully filed falsified financial disclosure forms, which withheld the disclosure of nearly seven hundred thousand dollars that his Republican activist wife named Ginny had received from the right wing Heritage Foundation for the better part of the previous 20 years, as I reported at the time in 2011 at Brad Blog. So just want to point out that was $700,000 per year? No, that was over the period. Uh, at okay. various times, she had made several hundred thousand dollars. What we knew at the time was that it added up to at least or, or nearly $700,000. <laughs> nice work if you can get it, I guess. The uh, Right Wing Heritage Foundation had listed their payments to Jenny Thomas in their own disclosures, but Clarence Thomas did not bother to, uh, to disclose those payments on his own mandatory annual disclosure forms for all of those years. And only once it was pointed out publicly uh, that year did uh, Thomas bother to then go back and refile, quote, self-initiated amendments to those forms that uh, he had previously personally signed year after year after year for those 20 years, just above a legal warning as seen in bold and all caps letters on those disclosure forms which read, uh, quote, note, any individual who knowingly and willfully falsifies or fails to file this report may be subject to civil and criminal sanctions under 5 U.S.C. Section 104. It was a very simple form uh, that even a Supreme Court justice ought to be able to understand. And as we pointed out in January of 2011, violations of 5 U.S.C. Section 104 are punishable by up to $50,000 in fines and or one year in jail for each instance of falsification. And Clarence Thomas had done it year after year after year, as I reported in 2011. When Thomas's financial disclosure form for uh, 2010, which I have linked at bradblog.com, you can check it out yourself, when that was released, the matter got shadier still, leading at least one government watchdog organization to describe what Thomas and his wife, Ginny, were doing at the time as judicial insider trading. 
Because connecting the dots back then, it seemed clear that the couple had made huge profits from Justice Thomas's participation and insider knowledge of 2010's Citizens United ruling at the U.S. Supreme Court. So this is in addition to having not disclosed all the money that his wife was getting from Heritage Foundation for the previous 20 years. So as reported at the time, uh, 20 years prior, during uh, Thomas's famously contentious confirmation hearings back in 1991 in the Senate Judiciary Committee, at the time headed up by some guy, a Democratic chairman by the name of Joseph R. Biden, at that time, Thomas had received a huge boost uh, during this controversial confirmation when an outside organization ran $100,000 worth of television commercials attacking senators who were threatening to vote against Clarence Thomas's confirmation. $100,000, that was a lot of money at the time for something like this. That organization was a then newly formed group that was called Citizens United. Yes, that Citizens United. 20 years later, and without either Thomas disclosing it or anyone in the media connecting the dots, as we noted at the time, Thomas had decided in favor of that group in that now infamous Citizens United versus FEC case, which has since allowed a tsunami of corporate money into our political and electoral system. Corrupting our political and electoral system. Correct. But it was that decision that uh, Citizens United versus FEC, which allowed the corporations to pour virtually unlimited money into 501c4 nonprofit groups that could in turn use that money to affect elections with millions of dollars in campaign ads, etc., all of which was made possible by Citizens United themselves when they helped Clarence Thomas 20 years earlier get on to the Supreme Court in the first place. Now, Ginny Thomas, his wife, as it turned out, had created one of those nonprofit, non supposedly nonpartisan 501c4 organizations just after oral arguments in the case, in the Citizens United versus FEC case, she created a 501c4 before her husband at the high court, before her husband would eventually vote in favor of Citizens United. And no, by the way, he did not recuse himself from that case, despite the fact that the organization was largely responsible for him being on the bench at all at the time. Ginny's 501c4 group would then go on to raise some $550,000 in about two months' time before the end of 2009, after the oral argument in the case, but before the court's decision was finally disclosed in 2010. As noted, insider judicial trading, as we called it at the time, for which he was never held accountable. Ginny raised more than half a million dollars for her own activist group and, of course, would receive hundreds of thousands of dollars from the right wing heritage foundation that Clarence simply forgot to list on his annual disclosure forms year after year under the very confusing line on the form, which read, quote, spouses, non-investment income, including salary and benefits. So not confusing at all. But Clarence had said there had been none of those until he was caught years later and quietly allowed to amend his false filings. 
So all of that was already uh, on the books and already at least be re- being reported by me, at least, back at Bradblog in, by uh, 2011. Now moving the clock forward another 10 years or so to 2020, after the Thomases saw zero consequences for all of their blatant violations of judicial ethics, not to mention the rule of law, well, we would learn last year via evidence obtained and released by the bipartisan U.S. House Special Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection and Donald Trump's many failed attempts to steal the 2020 presidential election, we would learn that throughout the period after the November 2020 election, Ginny, who had previously, by the way, advised the Trump administration itself on who to hire after he had originally taken office, we learned that she had repeatedly texted Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, throughout November and December of 2020, encouraging him at the time to do whatever was needed, essentially, to steal the election from the American people. You'll probably remember that recent reporting, at least. And at the very same time, her husband was the only justice on the by then very far right, stolen, packed, wholly corrupted U.S. Supreme Court. He was the only justice who voted in favor of blocking the release of documents to that committee from uh, from the White House, folks like Mark Meadows, etc., even as the disclosure of those documents may have revealed texts and or emails from Clarence's own wife, Ginny. That Clarence was the only justice to have voted against disclosure of those documents is actually saying something, giving the makeup of this particular court. And no, the Thomases have never faced any accountability for any of that either. Despite, as our friend Mark Joseph Stern, legal reporter over at Slate, happens to note today on Twitter, quote, federal law requires a justice to recuse from any case where his spouse has, quote, an interest that could be substantially affected by the outcome. And certainly in this case, with his wife having actual you know, documents that may have been released through that uh, uh, through that release that Thomas had voted against, Justice Thomas had voted against, yeah, he should have recused himself from that. Nonetheless, Thomas voted to open the doors, you know, to dark money in 2010 Citizens United, which netted his wife's activist group about half a million dollars right off the bat. He didn't recuse himself from that before the opinion was even made public. And as Stern tweets today, Thomas voted to block the release of documents about January 6th, knowing full well that they also may have implicated his wife. But with all of that in mind, don't worry. It's cool. In a recent interview for a documentary film about Clarence Thomas's life called Created Equal, he assures us that he's just a regular guy. He is just like you and me. He's just a man of the people. Sure, he said, he doesn't, quote, have any problem with going to Europe, you know, for vacations, but he said he's, he's much more comfortable uh, hanging out in RV parks and Walmart Walmart parking lots than he is hobnobbing around the world with the elite hoi polloi and whatnot. I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. There's something normal to me about it. I come from regular stock. 
and I prefer that. I prefer being around that. He's just, you know, he comes from regular stock. Yeah, he's a common he's man a, of the people. It's exactly. It, he prefers Walmart parking lots over trips to uh, Europe and beaches Fancy and resorts, so forth. Pasha. That's right. So, well, you will be shocked to learn then that, as it turns out, Clarence uh, seems to have been lying about that as well, because it seems like Clarence Thomas lies about damn near everything. As we have now learned, thanks to some fantastic reporting on Thursday by Joshua Kaplan, Justin Elliott, and Alex uh, Mirjeski at ProPublica, you will be shocked to learn that regular RV park guy Clarence Thomas has been secretly accepting unreported donations, huge ones. Huge from at least one major GOP donor, and he's been doing it for years in the form of wildly exotic, unreported luxury vacations, including, yes, to Europe and elsewhere around the world. As ProPublica reports, for example, in late Ju uh, June 2019, right after the U.S. Supreme Court released its final opinion of the term, Justice Clarence Thomas boarded a large private jet headed to Indonesia. He and his wife were going on vacation, nine days of island hopping in a volcanic archipelago on a super yacht staffed by a coterie of attendants and a private chef. You know, like at the RV park. As one does. If, uh, if Thomas had chartered the plane himself and the 162-foot superyacht himself, the total cost of the trip would have exceeded $500,000. It would have exceeded half a million dollars for the plane, for the yacht. Fortunately for Clarence, that wasn't necessary because he was on vacation with real estate magnate and Republican mega-donor Harlan Crow, who owned the jet and owned the yacht as well for more than two decades. So, yes, going back to the time when we uh, called him out for lying on his eventually amended disclosure forms about the money that his wife was receiving from right-wing organizations that he was keeping secret. So even at the time... When he filed those new yeah. amended disclosure right. forms, he was also doing this other thing on the side that he didn't tell anybody Correct. About. He was accept accepting these luxury tr trips virtually every single year from this Dallas businessman without disclosing any of it. This according to documents and interviews from ProPublica. A public servant who has a salary of $285,000 a year, Justice Thomas has vacationed on Crow's super yacht around the globe. He flies on Crow's Bombardier Global 5000 Jet. He has gone with Crow to the Bohemian Grove, an exclusive California retreat, and to Crow's sprawling ranch in East Texas. And Thomas typically spends about a week every summer at Crow's private resort in the Adirondacks. The extent and frequency of Crow's apparent gifts to Thomas have no known precedent in the modern history of the U.S. Supreme Court, ProPublica reports. These trips also appeared nowhere on Thomas's financial disclosures. His failure, uh, they note, to report the flights appeared to violate a law passed after Watergate that requires, it doesn't ask, it doesn't request, it requires justices and judges and members of Congress and federal officials to disclose most gifts. 
He should also have disclosed the trips on the yacht, according to two experts consulted by ProPublica. Thomas did not respond to a detailed list of questions for this story. <laughs> oh, bet he didn't. In a, uh, in a statement, Crow, on the other hand, acknowledged that he had extended, quote, hospitality to the Thomases, quote, over the years, but said that Thomas never asked for, asked for any of this, and it was, quote, no different from the hospitality we have extended to our many dear friends. I bet. Through his largesse, Crow has gained a unique form of access, spending days in private with one of the most powerful people in the country. By accepting the trips, Thomas has broken longstanding norms, at least, for judges' conduct, ethics experts, and uh, current and retired federal judges say. Quote, it's incomprehensible to me that someone would do this, said Nancy Gertner, a retired federal judge. When she was on the bench, she said she was so cautious about appearances, she would not even mention her title when she made dinner reservations. Virginia Cantor, a former uh, government ethics lawyer who served in administrations of both parties, said Thomas, quote, seems to have completely disregarded his higher ethical obligations. Well, knock me over with the feather. Not my Clarence Thomas. ProPublica uncovered the details of Thomas's travel by drawing from flight records, internal documents distributed by Crow's own employees, and interviews with dozens of people ranging from his superyacht staff to members of the secret Bohemian Club to an Indonesia scuba diving instructor. They did some serious reporting here, and they got the receipts. They note that federal judges sit in a unique position of trust. They have lifetime tenure a privilege intended to insulate them from the pressures and potential corruption of politics. A code of conduct for federal judges below the Supreme Court requires them to avoid even the, quote, appearance of impropriety. But members of the high court, according to Chief Justice John Roberts, while they're supposed to, quote, consult that code for guidance, but, you know, it's not a requirement. The uh, Supreme Court is left almost entirely to police itself. And that might be the problem here. There are few legal restrictions on what gifts that uh, justices can actually accept. That's in contrast to the other branches of government. Members of Congress are generally prohibited from taking gifts worth $50 or more. And they would need pre-approval from an ethics committee in order to make the trips that Justice Thomas has accepted from Crow year after year after year. But as a Supreme Court justice, you know, unlike the lower court judges, he can take those gifts without restrictions, but he must report them. He must disclose them on his annual disclosure forms, which, just like his wife's employment for a decade or two until he was busted, he has not done. He has not apparently bothered to do any of this disclosure, according to ProPublica. And yes, it was this same Harlan Crow who gave a half a million dollars to Ginny's activist group back in 2009 after Citizens United had been argued, but before the court's opinion was released in 2010. He is such a good friend. Crow has is such a good friend that, in fact, he has spent millions 
on ideological efforts to shape the law and the judiciary over the years at the same time that he's been whining and dining uh, Justice uh, uh, Thomas all over the world. The story goes on to cite uh, Thomas's regular trips to Crow's private 105-acre lakeside resort property called Camp Topridge. That's in the Adirondacks in upstate New York. On stolen Indian land, I might just add to. But well, now you're opening up a whole new can of worms. <laughs> I know. The uh, this was actually once the summer retreat of the same heiress who built Mar-a-Lago, as it turns out. So that would be the heiress of uh, who owned the uh, Post Cereal Company. Yep. It has an artificial waterfall. It has a great hall where crow's guests are served meals prepared by private chefs. Inside, there's evidence of Crow and Thomas, uh, their relationship together, because a painting, a painting of the two men is at the resort, sitting outdoors, smoking cigars alongside so-called conservative political operatives. Thomas has been vacationing at Topridge virtually every summer for more than two decades, according to interviews with more than a dozen visitors and former staff at the resort, as well as records that were obtained by ProPublica. The mountainous area draws billionaires from across the globe. Rooms at a nearby hotel built by the Rockefellers start at $2,250 a night. Crow's invitation-only resort, however, is more exclusive than that. Guests stay for free, enjoying Top Ridge's more than 25 fireplaces, three boathouses, clay tennis court, batting cage, along with more eccentric features like a life-size replica of the hut of the Harry Potter character Hagrid, bronze statues of gnomes, and a 1950-style soda fountain where Crow's staff fixes milkshakes for the guests. You know, if this sort of thing was owned by a rap star, they would say he was eccentric and probably should be locked up or something. But, you know, white, rich, Republican billionaire, totally cool. Crow's access to the justice extends to anyone that the businessman chooses to invite along, notes ProPublica. Thomas's frequent vacations at Top Ridge have brought him into contact with corporate executives and political activists. Well, that's convenient for everyone, isn't it? During just one trip in July of 2017, Thomas's fellow guests included executives from Verizon and PricewaterhouseCoopers, major Republican donors and one of the leaders of the American Enterprise, uh, American Enterprise Institute, a so-called pro-business conservative think tank, according to records that were reviewed by ProPublica. The painting of Thomas at Top Ridge shows him in conversation with Leonard Leo. The, that's the Federalist Society leader who's regarded as the architect of the Supreme Court's turn to the far, far right. In his statement to ProPublica, Crow has said he is, quote, unaware of any of our friends ever lobbying or seeking to influence Justice Thomas on any case. And I would never invite anyone who I believe had any intention of doing that. These are gatherings of friends, he said. But Crow has deep connections in right wing so-called conservative politics. He's the heir to a real estate fortune. He oversees his family's business empire. He recently named Marxism as his greatest fear. Well, I bet it is. 
He was an early patron of the powerful anti-tax group Club for Growth. He's been on the board of AEI for 25 years. He also sits on the board of the Hoover Institution, another conservative think tank, all of whom, all of these groups who submit uh, amici briefs to the Supreme Court in critical cases. So, yeah, oh, this comes from the group uh, run by that guy who I vacationed with last summer and had a milkshake at at the 1950s diner on Harlan's property. Crow has given more than $10 million in publicly disclosed political contributions, but he's also given to groups that keep their donors secret, thanks to Citizens United, how much of that so-called dark money he's he's given and to whom he has given it, well, that is not known. Soon after Crow met Thomas three decades ago, ProPublica reports, he began lavishing the justice with gifts, including a $19,000 Bible that belonged to Frederick Douglass. Thomas actually did disclose that one. Nice of him. Recently, Crow gave Thomas a portrait of the justice and his wife, according to the artist who painted it. Crow's Foundation also gave $105,000 to Yale Law School, Thomas's alma mater, for the, Ju- the Justice Thomas Portrait Fund. That, according to tax filings. Crow said he and his wife have funded a number of projects that celebrate Thomas. Quote, we believe it is important to make sure as many people as possible learn about him, remember him, and understand the ideals for which he stands. That documentary film about Clarence Thomas's life called Created Equal, when he talks about enjoying hanging out at the parking lot at Walmart, that was funded by Harlan Crow. To trace uh, Thomas's trips around the world on Crow's super yacht, ProPublica spoke to more than 15 former yacht workers, tour guides. They obtained uh, records documenting the ship's travels. The Indonesia vacation was not the uh, first time that Crow was uh, that uh, Thomas was on Crow's super yacht called the Makella Rose. He went on a river day trip around Savannah, Georgia. He uh, he went on an extended cruise in New Zealand roughly a decade ago. Crow's policy was that guests did not pay. That, according to uh, a former staff member on the yacht, you don't need to worry about this. It's all covered. One recalled the guests being told at the time everything was covered. He wasn't asking anything. And by the way, if you happen to make any decisions at the Supreme Court, you know, you don't need to think about me or the hundreds of thousands of dollars in vacations that I have lavished on you over the years. ProPublica found evidence that Thomas appears to have traveled in the Greek islands in March of 2007 on this yacht as well. Thomas did not report any of these trips that ProPublica identified on his annual financial disclosure forms. Ethics experts say the law clearly requires uh, that to be done, at least for things like private jet flights. And Thomas appears to have violated those requirements, those legal requirements. Justices are generally required to publicly report all gifts more than $415, defined as 
quote, anything of value that is not fully reimbursed. There are some exceptions. For example, if someone hosts a justice at their own property, free food and lodging do not have to be disclosed, but that would exempt dinner, uh, you know, at a friend's house. The exemption never applied to transportation like private jet flights. And yes, two ethics lawyers told ProPublica that the yacht cruises as a form of transportation must also be required. As you have probably noticed by now, however, Justice Thomas, a critical member of the U.S. Supreme Court, apparently believes he is above the law. He does not have to disclose any of this unless maybe you catch him 10 or 20 years later, then maybe he will amend his filings and he'll be allowed to do it. As Mark Joseph Stern, our friend, tweeted today in response to the Indonesia part of this story, quote, just to be clear here, it was a flagrant violation of federal law for Justice Thomas to accept this wildly expensive luxury vacation without reporting it as a gift. His conduct isn't just unseemly, it's illegal, notes Mark, adding, quote, Thomas has long shown contempt for any law that applies to him. How many times uh, Thomas failed to disclose trips? Well, that remains unclear, according to ProPublica. Uh, but they cite uh, flight records from the FAA, which seem to suggest he makes very, very regular use of Crow's plane. Thomas has even used the plane for uh, one single three-hour trip. On February 11, 2016, for example, the plane flew from Dallas, uh, to Dulles in D.C., to New Haven, Connecticut, before flying back that afternoon. ProPublica confirmed that, yes, Thomas was on the jet. They confirmed that through Supreme Court security records that were obtained by a nonprofit. They got private jet data, uh, a New Haven plane spotter, and another person at the airport all confirmed it. So they have buttoned up this reporting tight. And yet there are no reports of Thomas making any public appearances that day. So the purpose of the trip remains unclear. Apparently, he just flew around for three or four hours on this private jet. <laughs> jet charter companies told ProPublica that renting an equivalent plane for that New Haven trip would cost around $70,000. But again, no disclosure by Justice Thomas. We have been uh, reporting on stories like this about Justice Clarence Thomas for well over a decade now. Every time we do, it's an absolute outrage. And yet every time we do, nothing is done about it. Will anything happen this time with this report? I'd guess probably not. I'd love to be wrong. Congress could, of course, impeach Clarence Thomas immediately, but as long as Republicans control the House, that ain't going to happen. And even when Democrats controlled the House, yeah, they could have impeached him. Arguably, they should have impeached him. But, you know, with a Democrat in the White House to name his replacement, to change the balance of the court, of course, there is no way in hell that they would ever be able to, uh, you know, pull a full 67 votes in the U.S. Senate in order to remove Clarence Thomas from the bench. 
No way the U.S. Senate is going to be able to do that, especially since Republicans actually revere Clarence Thomas despite of or maybe because of his blatant disregard for the rule of law. Yes, we need to begin holding lawless presidents accountable. And yes, maybe, maybe that is finally beginning. But until a Justice Department finds the courage, I guess, to do the same thing to a lawless U.S. Supreme Court justice like Clarence Thomas and his scofflaw insurrectionist wife, the corruption at the highest court in the land will continue. At least the media in this case uh, are doing their jobs. ProPublica's Josh Kaplan, Justin Elliott, Alex Majerski. At least they're doing their work. For that, I am very grateful. I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. There's something normal to me about it. I've come from regular stock. And I prefer that. I prefer being around that. Sure you do, Clarence. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As I was uh, finishing up there in the previous segment, uh, New York Times has a story out with lawmakers calling for tighter ethics rules after revelations about Justice Clarence Thomas. That would be Democratic lawmakers (laughs) reiterated their call on Thursday to tighten ethics rules for Supreme Court after the reports uh, from ProPublica. And of what? course, nothing from Republicans. No, I'm apparently, shocked, shocked, apparently not. You. And the Democrats reiterating because they keep doing this. They keep calling for it because Democrats are the party of law and order. And the Republicans are the party of uh, lawlessness, apparently. Uh, AOC, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, called for the justice to be impeached, saying, quote, this is beyond party or partisanship. This degree of corruption is shocking, almost cartoonish. I would say not almost cartoonish. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Actual cartoonish. Keep calling for it. No way they're going to replace it because they put uh, party over, well, everything else. Meanwhile, over at uh, Daily Coast, uh, just after the breaking news confirmation last week of Trump's New York indictment, on uh, 34 felony counts of falsifying business records to hide hush money payments made to a porn star with whom he had a sexual liaison and to his own attorney for an entire year while presiding in the White House in order to cover up the entire thing. Delicos contributor uh, who calls himself D'Artagnan 
wrote, uh, quote, credit Kara Scannell and CNN for first known use of this journalistic banality in describing Donald Trump's then pending indictment, though he suggested we'll be hearing this phrase uh, ad nauseum over the next few weeks. He may be right about that. Quote, the decision to indict Trump is sure to send shockwaves across the country, pushing the American political system, which has never seen one of its ex-leaders confronted with criminal charges, let alone while running again for president, into uncharted waters. Now, that is true. We are in uncharted waters here. And in fact, I don't know if I've used the exact phrase, but I have mentioned myself how difficult it is uh, for me anyway to to cover all of this, everything that's going on, because there literally is no roadmap for it. Uh, yes, uncharted waters for what's going on. And we're all trying to figure it out as we go. But D'Artagnan here, I, I believe, uh, he sort of read the phrase in a, in a different way in response to the uncharted waters of the political system itself and, frankly, offered some worthy observations on it that I think are worth sharing before we get to a both a Green News report coming up and... yes. A little Randy Rain, long overdue <laughs> Randy Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, D'Artagnan writes, uh, pushing the American political system into uncharted waters, huh? Well, that's rich, he wrote, coming from a news outlet that bears heavy responsibility for hyping Trump into office in the first place. Talking about CNN there. He writes, let's talk about those, quote, uncharted waters that our, quote, political system now finds itself in. We had a president who attained the office by actively soliciting and accepting the efforts of the Russian Federation, then lied about it. Those were uncharted waters. We had a president who openly campaigned on racism and xenophobia, urging his rallygoers to beat up journalists. Those were uncharted waters. We had a president who instituted a policy of kidnapping children, first putting them in cages and then separating them from their families. Those were uncharted waters. We had a president who banned Muslims from entry into the U.S. Those were uncharted waters. A president who tried to extort a foreign leader to invent dirt on his anticipated political opponent. Those were uncharted waters. We had a president turn the Oval Office into a money-grubbing scheme for members of his immediate family and political allies. Those were uncharted waters. A president who compiled the longest list of uncharged criminal offenses of any president in history. Those were uncharted waters. We had a president who was impeached twice both times for offenses which he wholly deserved for which he wholly deserved conviction those are uncharted waters a president who so badly botched a response to a pandemic that he likely killed nearly half a million americans in the process those were uncharted waters a president who embraced white supremacy and intentionally inspired terrorist attacks against Americans. Those are uncharted waters. We had a president who was defeated soundly in 2020 and then proceeded to lie about the results, corroding our democracy, probably irreparably. Those are uncharted waters. 
And we had a president who deliberately incited an attempted coup supporting an attack on the very heart of democracy simply because he couldn't face the fact that he'd lost the election. Those are uncharted waters, writes D'Artagnan. He says, I could go on and on, but you get the idea. For the majority of people in this country, the entire Trump administration was one long involuntary experiment in uncharted waters. One that has ultimately left our country crippled, effectively torn in half, with millions distrustful, if not outright disdainful, of our democracy, and millions unable and unwilling to separate truth from lies. We now have one of our two political parties completely devoted to performative cruelty and reveling in election denialism, fascism and violence. So please, he notes, don't even talk to me about uncharted waters. That ship sailed a long, long time ago. Well said, D'Artagnan at Daily Coast. Quick break and we're back with Green News Report and yes... Randy Rainbow. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the Bradcast. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. All right, as noted at the top of the show, it has been a crazy week. Yes. A good week, (laughs) actually, by and large. Uh, Fox News is in huge legal trouble, criminal arraignment for our former president, a huge victory in Wisconsin, flipping the state Supreme Court to liberal control for the first time in 15 years. But a crazy one, a crazy week. So let's get to today's uh, GNR, and then we'll finish up this hour with some long overdue Randy Rainbow as a new tune-out to celebrate at least one of the past week's highlights. That's up right after our latest Green News Report. I think you have to ask yourself, who are they hurting with this? And they clearly think they're hurting President Biden. Oil prices spike after OPEC announces surprise production cuts. Good news, bad news with California's record snowpack. Plus... You know, we're seeing it as a boom for American innovation. American industry is good for the planet as well. Biden administration boosts clean energy and clean manufacturing, cracks down on toxic mercury and lead water pipes. Well, they're busy. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Over the weekend, hundreds of cases of beer spilled on a Montana train derailment. The train spilled hundreds of cases of beer into this local river, including a whole bunch of Coors Light. But authorities say the water is fine, and so is the river. Coors Light Slam. This is your Green News Report. I'm gonna soak up the sun. 
Okay, Dizzy Doyne, yet another train derailment in the U.S., but hey, at least this time it was only beer. If only that were the only train derailment in the U.S. this week. Officials say that that train that spilled cases of beer in Montana had no lasting environmental impact, but a train carrying flammable ethanol that derailed in southwestern Minnesota on Sunday forced nearby residents to evacuate their homes after the rail cars ruptured, Mm. igniting a massive fire that burned for days. That's not nearly as funny. Officials say the water and air are safe, but cleanup will take months. And in the East Palestine, Ohio chemical train disaster back in February, the Justice Department has now filed a civil lawsuit against the railroad company Norfolk Southern for violations of the Clean Water Act. Another tornado outbreak, the fourth in as many weeks in the U.S. At least five people were killed in southeast Missouri by an overnight tornado on Tuesday that caused widespread damage. John Hart of the National Storm Prediction Center warns, There will be more systems like this all spring, unfortunately. Climate data on tornadoes is mixed, but evidence suggests that global warming is increasing the frequency, magnitude, and geography of tornado behavior, including increasing dangerous nighttime tornadoes. In California, it's official. After a relentless series of extreme winter storms, the state's overall snowpack is the deepest ever recorded in more than 70 years, officials said Monday, at more than 230 percent of normal. That's good? That is. That's good news for the state's farmers and struggling hydropower industry after years of drought. But state water officials this week also announced they're shifting to flood response to prepare still flooded areas for upcoming potentially disastrous snowmelt. Because it is getting warm out here in a day or two, and that could be very bad news, I guess. Indeed it could. Meanwhile, global oil prices jumped after the Saudi-led OPEC Plus oil cartel this week announced surprise cuts to crude oil production, slashing output by more than a million barrels per day to keep supplies tight and prices high, a potential new threat to global efforts to curb inflation. Even though the U.S. is now the world's biggest producer of oil, oil is still traded on the global market, so the U.S. economy is vulnerable to oil price shocks. Energy analysts say the cartel's cut could add more than 50 cents a gallon to the national average retail price of gas this summer. And I guess we should blame Joe Biden? Well, you know, Republicans certainly will. I would expect no less. But some good news. The Biden administration Environmental Protection Agency has approved California's plan to phase out a wide range of polluting diesel-powered heavy trucks as part of the state's effort to reduce air pollution and climate warming emissions. Great. President Biden was in Minnesota this week to tout the announcement by heavy truck engine manufacturer Cummins that it will invest a billion dollars in making low to zero carbon engines for trucks. Cummins manufactures nearly half of medium and heavy duty trucks in the U.S. Instead of relying on equipment made overseas in places like China, the supply chains will be again made in America. They'll be again in America. I'm sure Republicans will figure out some way to complain about that, too.
More good news. The Biden administration this week also released a tranche of half a billion dollars in new funding to build clean energy projects at the sites of current and former coal mines using funds from the landmark Inflation Reduction Act. Nice. The Environmental Protection Agency this week proposed tightening limits on toxic mercury pollution and other contaminants from coal-fired power plants that cause heart attacks, cancers, and brain damage in children. Also nice. And finally, the EPA also announced it has identified more than 9 million lead water pipes across the country in the nation's first ever tally that will help determine where and how to allocate more than $6 billion in new funding for drinking water upgrades. The EPA tally shows that Florida has the most lead pipes. All of this helping people is outrageous. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Get the lead out, indeed. Yes, please. At least we have an administration who is actually working on it. Trying to. We'll take it. Although nobody ever hears about any of it, so I'm glad we were able to talk about some of the great environmental anti-pollution stuff that the Biden administration is doing. Well, they have now heard about it. Thanks to you, Desi Doyen. (laughs) All right. uh, Before we go, before we get out of here uh, today, as promised, it has been a long time uh, since we have heard from him, but uh, the... The latest piece, song, I don't know what we call it, from... uh, Satire. Satire from the great Randy Rainbow. All right, let's get started, please. We have an arraignment to get to. Good to see you. I need you to do me a big favor. What's that? Would you endorse me? I'd rather go skiing with Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) We're live in three, two... We are back. So way the f*** back that I'm joined now by 2024 presidential nominee, newly indicted former fake president, Donald Jessica Trump. You are currently the subject of multiple criminal investigations. Would you say that's hurting your campaign or does anyone give a anymore? Well, if you listen to the fake news media, it helps. Uh, because they're all saying it's a scam. Even even people that don't like me are saying this is a terrible thing to do for our country. You mean Melania? I don't know how you can talk about me when they don't talk about Joe Biden because what he did is so bad. Girl, you need to update your act. This is your comeback slash indictment tour. People don't want to hear the same old songs. I may have made a mistake. MAGA is so 2016. What you need is a fresh campaign slogan. Let's give it a shot. Something catchy, you know, like your chlamydia, but that really also reminds people what you're all about. Pitch me some ideas. So it's massive election interference. Mm, That is catchy, but maybe too on the nose. I have the right to take stuff. Better, but it needs more oomph. Russia, Russia. Russia? Russia. You've done it. It's tired. I mean, the people know me. I think that's why I'm going up during this hoax that's taking place in New York. Honey, I think you're going down. He was a sleazy showbiz phony born in NYC who somehow won the White House over Hillary and after one term got the sack. Biden pummeled his ass, but now he wants to come back. He's been indicted though, and so he's making scenes. He's the grumpy trumpet felon from Jamaica in Queens. He met a lovely lady who performed on screen. She started yapping in 2016, and so he signed a bunch of checks. I didn't do it. Cause he's disgusting, and so he had to pay her for sex. Looks like a butternut squash, and his hair is bleached. 
He's the bloated orange lunatic who's twice been impeached. A bum, a bum, a bum, but a bum, a bum. He loves to rally his mobs. He's such a user. He can't win a race unless he cheats and he robs. Cause he's a loser. I have the right to take stuff. He makes Melania puke. And girl, we all agree. He's the dumpy mega mascot of the GOP. Yeah. He's a bootlicking little boy for the old KGB. Say no thank you sir, he likes to grab him by the <laughs> Yeah. And boy he's broken just about every single law in the book He's a cheater looking coochie snatch and trees in his crook Oh girl he's just a petulant slob He can't dance for shit and he can't hold a job without sedition And Republicans back up all his f***ery He's a grumpy, trumpy, dirty lion Look, here's a letter from Stormy Daniels saying we never had an affair. I did nothing wrong. I never had an affair with her. It's all made up. Demolishing the country's how he gets his kicks. He tried to stage a coup on January 6th, and now he wants to run again. Girl, really? But can he run from the feds before he lands in the pen? They're bringing charges now, so yeah, he's in a sitch. He's a braggadocious, whiny little traitorous bitch. He was a sleazy, showbiz phony born in MIC, who somehow won the White House over Hillary. Then after one term, got the sack. Oh, God, and pummeled his ass, but now he wants to come back. He's been indicted, though, and so he's making scenes. He's a Racketeering, Putin-loving, piece of garbage, chicken-livered, bunker boy whose father never loved him, so he's damaged and a deadbeat, phony, lying, insurrectionist with psychopathic tendencies, he's twice impeached, confident, a law-obstructing, narcissistic, incoherent, criminal, and grumpy, trumpy, felon, from Jamaica, and please... <laughs> Yay, Randy Rainbow! The brilliant Randy Rainbow. You can, uh, you you can, and you should go check out the video for that particular song. Yes, for all of these funny. songs are just absolutely brilliant. Uh, you can go to randyrainbow.com. Thanks, Randy. Loved it. All right, we got to get out. My thanks to Desi Doy. My thanks to all of you for spending. A portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated. It's always an honor. We hope we make it worth your while. We strive to we every do. day. <laughs> we really do. Uh, so thank you for spending your time with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, or you want more information about Clarence Thomas and his past, I will link to some of our old, old stories about all of that when I post the show today at brandblog.com. Yes, and of course, all of the stuff that we talked about in the Green News report today that we didn't get to talk about in depth. You can find all of that at bradblog.com and you can go directly to greennews.bradblog.com to get more information on those. Yeah, not only on the stories we covered, but a whole bunch so that we much. always say that we did not have time for. So much. Desi's got a lot of links for you there. Anyway, uh, all of that uh, made possible by those of you who support our work by hitting a donate button or go straight to bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Always good to hear from you. And you can find me on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at the Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. He's been indicted, though, so he's making scenes. He's a bloated art racketeering, Putin-loving piece of garbage, chicken-livered bunker boy whose father never loved him, so he's damaged and a deadbeat, phony, lying, insurrectionist with psychopathic tendencies. He's twice impeached, confident, a law-obstructing, narcissistic, incoherent, criminal, and grumpy, trumpy, felon from Jamaica, please. Felon? <laughs>